0: on housing crisis all over Oregon and housing issues in general. Meanwhile, to hear the whole program that we just had to kind of cut the last few minutes of, you can check out pacificanetwork.org sprouts or soundcloud.com slash Slash sets. Slash sprouts. And now, Six Partnership Show with Oregon Community Media, with a focus on housing, on your community radio, KBOO Portland.
1: partnership show of Oregon Community Media. Independent community radio and media working in collaboration to better serve Oregon. This time around you'll hear about housing issues and the housing crisis taking place all over the state of Oregon. Participating this time are KWSO Warm Springs, KPOV Bend, KSKQ Ashland, and KBOO Portland. I'm Erin Yankee from co Collator and Host for this episode. Stay tuned. We'll start with a personal testimonial from Charu, Colorado, an artist in Ashland, Oregon who just had her rent raised by about 50%. Thanks to KSKQ and Deb Van Poulen
2: for this interview. Before I moved here, the place I was in, I lived there for over 25 years. And before that, another 25 years, another place, management, I don't know whether all the managements in the world are this way, but I haven't had very good luck with having them be very concerned about either the health or the the longevity of the people or the property as long as they're getting their money. Pacific properties came in. Due to the un- large expenses, your rent now will be 1050 which above $670 is, a- is about a 50% raise. No conversation, no warning. I didn't realize I would be so physically affected. Pacific property, they don't care. They just want the money, and that's what he said to me. He bought the property with it in mind that he was going to gradually improve it, but he would raise the rent. And you've been paying such low rent. I said, well, do you know why? And I told him the whole history. He inherited all this money. He was advised to buy property. and Everybody is going to have to pay more rent here. It's ridiculous. They've been keeping the rent so low here. I said, well, this is an artist. And student town, this is not a millionaire's establishment, he's only interested in the money. Just last week, I approached him again. I said, Well, you know, Ron DeLuca, who is the owner, has he lived in Ashland very long? He's, well, he's lived here all his life. Well, you know, this is not going to make him very popular. oh He hasn't to be worries about that. He owns Ashland. That's his response. He doesn't care. But I don't know how this is going to work, but I'm aiming to make it work as well as possible.
1: Again, that was Charo, Colorado from Ashland talking about her housing crisis. In the Bend area, with vacancy rates at less than 1%, finding affordable housing or housing period can be nearly impossible. Don Newton from KPOV Bend sat down with Jim Long, who is the affordable housing manager of the city of Bend, to discuss
3: the housing struggle facing the Bend community. Here's Don. We hear Bend has a housing crisis. If you work in Bend, good luck trying to live in Bend. So, is that what this Affordable Housing Advisory Committee? addresses? We are
4: trying to address that. You, you know, we we do have a we do have a crisis in Bend. There's there's no other way. You can't say it's a problem. You have to call it a crisis. Uh, right now, you know, we have basically a zero percent vacancy rate. You know, they say it's a half percentage or something. If you go through the real numbers and work your way backwards, the number of available rental units to what a half percentage comes out to, that really means at any one time there there. there might be 18 units available to rent in this town. Now, of that, probably half are undergoing uh, turnover. So, you know, if you come into town looking for a place to rent, there might be 10 units available. And you're competing with everybody else for those. So, yes, it's a tight market. How did we get here? Oh, boy, how did we get here? One of the... During the economic downturn, um, you know, building basically screeched to a halt. But the people moving into Bend did not. You know, we kept growing at one and a half to three percent per year, depending on the year. So we had a backlog of not enough units. Also, Bend, unlike uh, most of the state and most of the nation, we have a much higher percentage of our housing is in single family detached. We're about nine percentage points higher than the rest of the state. So we don't have a lot of multifamily. And then the multifamily we do have, it's mostly, you know, two story walk ups at the most. We don't have. We don't have high-rise buildings in Ben. We don't have, you know. uh, I always say Ben's afraid of heights. We really, we really don't have a. We don't have, you know, larger uh, rental properties.
3: Where, where is this growth coming? Because it sounds like the affordable housing, from what I'm reading in the paper, what you see here on social media, and appears to be rentals. Finding apartments. Well, yes
4: and no. I mean, we do a lot of work with homeownership. You know, we try to get a lot of people into homeownership that way. You know, one of the reasons also that you're seeing the, the big renter crisis is we don't have housing to purchase is not affordable. And and the reason I say that that affects the rental market is there's a lot of people in most communities, such as teachers, nurses, you know, even first, second year in most communities, they'd say, oh, I've got a stable job. I'll go buy a house. In Bend, you can't do that. I mean, the houses that are coming out the door down, you know, what I see through our building department, the going price on those is about $345,000. Now, somebody at 100% of area median income can afford that house if they have $100,000 to put down. I mean, you know, so it's just non attainable right now. And that's one of the problems that then it adversely affects our rental market because you're getting upward pressure down on the units that should be freed up.
3: What about the urban growth boundary? We keep hearing that, too. We keep hearing it. the urban growth boundary gets approved, which I know from what I understand is that that's several years out before we might see the approval. We've well, seen- right.
4: Uh, yeah, the urban growth boundary approval is, you know, I don't know, a year and a half, two years out, you know, somewhere in that range. But you're not going to see any. uh new land coming in for at least another two years uh and when it does come in you know think of uh i guess uh it's hard to say on a radio but think that you've got you've got a you've got a graph that's going up and that's why our housing prices are going Uh, when the new land comes in it's still going to go up but it's not going to go up as steeply in other words, if we don't get that new land, all of a sudden it's going to go darn near straight up. When we do get that in, I don't believe it's going to cause us to get lower-priced land, but it's, going to, it's we're not going to increase as fast.
3: This is Don Newton from 889 KPOV Bend with Oregon Community Media.
1: You are listening to a collaborative radio production produced by Oregon Community Media. Next up will be the piece from KMUN in Astoria. Nancy McCarthy describes how difficult it is to find affordable housing on the North Oregon coast, read by KBOO's Monica Beamer.
5: With its sparkling beaches and quaint towns, the North Oregon coast may be a great place to visit, but not everyone can live there. Housing studies done in Astoria and Cannon Beach in Clatsop County show that a large portion of residents in those two towns can't afford to rent or buy housing in the areas where they work. No more than 30% of a household's annual income should go to housing costs, according to generally accepted guidelines. But a lack of low-cost apartments and houses, along with reduced incomes, force people to pay more for housing, if they can find it. In Astoria, one landlord characterized the housing shortage as dire. Nearly one-third of homeowners and nearly one-half of the city's renters pay more than 30% of their income to stay in their homes. That means they may have trouble meeting other necessities, including food, transportation, and medical care. The annual median household income in Astoria is $42,000. About three-quarters of Astoria households could be considered low-income, according to the housing study. The median monthly rent in Astoria is $700, and the median monthly mortgage is $1,500. To stay within the guideline limits, a family of four in Astoria could afford a house costing no more than $250,000. Although the average sales price for single-family homes in Astoria is $230,000, there are few such homes available, and those that are available often need major repairs, according to the study. While government assistance is offered, low-income residents must wait three years to get that assistance. Last May, names stopped being added to the list until the wait is reduced to two years. Special needs groups, including minorities, veterans, the elderly, and those with physical and mental disabilities, face even more challenges when navigating the housing market. Adding to the housing demand is the influx of U.S. Coast Guard families who are stationed in Astoria. Although the Coast Guard offers housing, there remains a shortage. This means that Coast Guard families compete with others for limited housing throughout the area, which drives up costs. The Astoria housing study suggests possible solutions. The city could allow more smaller dwellings near existing houses, and city officials could work more closely with agencies that provide subsidized housing. The housing study also suggests that a survey should be done to find vacant land to build more housing, Existing housing could be improved to provide more affordable rentals, according to the study's recommendations. 25 miles south of Astoria is Cannon Beach. While this village of 1600 has a reputation as a resort town with high-end hotels, 70% of the residents pay too much in housing costs. Those who work in the local hotels, restaurants, and shops can't afford to live in town. Instead, they commute from Seaside or Warrenton. Where housing is cheaper. A city task force is investigating how affordable housing can be developed, but there is little vacant land in the town squeezed between the ocean and the mountains. Houses sell for an average of $600,000, 4 times the average in Oregon. While the median household income in Cannon Beach is $53,000, housing costs are out of reach for most residents, and they aren't eligible for government assistance, there also are few long-term rentals available. Instead, owners of second homes realize they can rent their houses out to tourists on a short-term basis for much more than they could get from a long-term tenant. At least 148 houses in Cannon Beach are listed on the VRBO Vacation Home website with an average rental of $263 a night. Even more vacation rental homes are offered by local property management companies. The Cannon Beach City Council changed its zoning ordinance 20 years ago to allow accessory dwellings on properties. The council hoped these additional 600 square foot residences would act as workforce housing, but most are being used as overnight rentals. Two low-income housing developments, Shorewood and Elk Creek Terrace, are available, but the waiting lists for both developments are a year long and they have strict income guidelines. With the lack of affordable housing for low and median income residents, the homeless population in Clatsop County continues to grow. Clatsop ranks among the top five counties in Oregon with the most number of homeless people. Allen Evans, Executive Director of Helping Hands Emergency Shelter in Seaside, says the shelter has helped 700 men, women, and children so far this year and the winter the toughest season for the homeless people has only just begun. This is Monica Beamer with KBOO Portland reading a script written by Nancy McCarthy from KMUN in Astoria
1: for Oregon Community Media. Deb Van Poulen of KSKQ now brings us an excerpt of an interview done with Susan Grace of Ashland talking about the progress in housing made by using the Housing First model.
3: Hello, this is Deb Van Pullen with the KSKQ News Collaborative. Ashland resident Susan Grace came into the KSKQ studios to talk with us about how the city of Boulder, Colorado, and the state of Utah are providing options to their residents who live outside rather than within four-walled structures. This short segment is a portion
6: of our conversation. So in 2004... Utah actually heard someone from New York who had proposed it to New York to do a Housing First program, Mm -hmm. and it was booted out of New York, but Utah ran with it. So, Mm -hmm. again, here's that impetus. The impetus Mm -hmm. comes, and somebody Mm -hmm. picks the ball up and runs with it.
3: And what is the Housing First program?
6: The Housing First says, let's not try to make people change in order to get housing. Let's give them a house and give them the opportunity to make change if they want. If you feel secure in yourself, and it takes some people who have been on the street, it takes them months, maybe longer, to ever feel safe in walls. Many of them are on the street because their wall situation, their housing situation wasn't safe in the first place. So until you get someone safe, which I think is what every human deserves, then we have a thriving community. So they put them in housing, they they have programs, assessment, do they need education, do they need medical care, do they need psychological care, what do they need? Address the needs, but never is there the threat put on them, we're going to boot you out. No, they have the housing forever. They've reduced Amazing. their homelessness by 91%. This is the state of Utah. The state of Utah since <laughs> 2004.
3: What are the other benefits now that these people who didn't have homes have them? How are they now contributing to the community? How are their lives
6: improving? I took some examples into in council. The state itself spends eight to $11,000 less per year per person by giving them a house than having them on the street. It's documented. So it's a savings for the state. The overall health and well-being of people is rising. In the information that I gave counsel, there was an interview of a gentleman named Birch in Utah who was living on the street, and they gave him his apartment, and he put all of his belongings on the bed and slept on the floor and was frightened, like, you mean you're going to leave me here? Because on the street, they have each other. And he was terrified, and he started acting out. Of course, there are people who oversee these housing Uh, situations. And he was having parties and doing drugs and all this. And that's not going to be tolerated to disrupt your neighbors any more than it would be anywhere else. Something changed in him. He saw a different self, a different opportunity. And so he he stopped doing drugs and drinking. And now he's trying to stop smoking. And he's receiving health care and his health is better. And he literally said, you know, if I weren't here in this place, I'd be dead by now. So humanity as a whole is benefiting, I believe. That was Susan
1: Grace of Ashland. Another solution to the crisis can be found on the Warm Springs Indian Reservation in Central Oregon. The tribe's housing authority offers rental units and homeownership programs. A 35-home tax credit housing project is being completed, offering home ownership to low-income Warm Springs families. From KWSO in Warm Springs, Sue Matters reports. Warm Springs Housing Authority has created a new residential area using tax credit funding to build affordable three-, four-, and five-bedroom homes for low-income households. Housing Authority's Desiree Wallace explains. The tax credit project
7: is way ahead of schedule. Uh, They were scheduled to be completed by March of next year. However, they are finishing up and everything will be occupied by the end of this year. The tax credit project itself is a $9 million project with a group of funding from different resources. The homes itself cost over $200,000 to build, but the purchase price that we are selling it to is about half, majority of them. So it's affordable housing that we'll be able to provide these $200,000 homes with million-dollar views of Mount Jefferson for extremely a low price. The project itself, it was a unique one. And the, from the beginning, it was the first uh, negotiation with the state in 19 years. It's the first tax credit on, on the reservation in 19 years. The project itself, it's the first one in the state of Oregon for home ownership tax credit program. The other programs, the low income housing tax credit programs, majority of them, well, I should say all of them, are like apartment complexes this one is actually for home ownership and there's no tax credit homes apartments that are five bedrooms so that's another unique about this project is
1: there's five bedroom homes this housing project is located in a pre-existing subdivision called Greeley heights the houses include three four and five bedroom models There are special requirements to qualify for this unique tax credit program, with the main one being low-to-no income. This program allows families who are living in poverty the opportunity to become new homeowners. At KWSO in Warm Springs, I'm Sue Matters reporting for Oregon Community Media. Thanks to all the supporting stations. KWSO in Warm Springs, KPOV in Bend, KSKQ in Ashland, and KBOO Portland. Music by Wu-Tang Killer Bees and the Pogues. Stay tuned to a radio near you for more from Oregon Community Media. We will be working to strengthen the independent stations, serving audiences from Florence to Fossil, with more collaborative programming in the spring. And this July, we'll again host the statewide broadcast of the Waterfront Blues Festival. I'm Erin Yankee. Thanks for listening.
7: Great greatest I'm tired about time for a proper deal. The woman next door, she just passed away. But her right grew so high that she just couldn't pay. And here in her bed, she closed up her eyes. The last time she gaze on this world of lies, with nowhere to go and nothing to say She went
0: to the next one in the passage. This is KBOO Portland, times 11.59 a.m. Still a few seconds left in the morning, folks, so I don't know, get to it. Coming up at noon is the noon headlines, a couple of important announcements followed by moving on with your host, the inimitable and what a guy, Don Jacobson. So keep it locked right here on your community radio, KBOO Portland.
1: KBU Community Radio and Heartbeat Silent Sound Systems proudly presents Silent Nights 2015, a silent disco and silent auction benefit for KBOO, December 19th, 8 p.m. at Manifestation PDX. This very special silent disco features talented KBU DJs and MCs. You'll have three channels of danceable jams to choose from, including bluegrass, the Grateful Dead, reggae, afrobeat, world music, hip-hop, funk and soul, electronic dance music, bhangra, and global bass music. There's something for everyone. We'll also feature a silent auction with art from local artists as well. Silent Nights will be on Saturday, December 19th from 8 p.m. to midnight at Manifestation PDX, 2020 Southeast Bush Street in Portland. For more information on the lineup and tickets and more, go to kboo.fm slash silentnights2015.